Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixels, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Will. That's Blake. And today we're here to talk a little Dimension 20, a little Ravening War, which uh, things are really heating up, man. Kind of getting toward the end of this story. Things are things are popping off. So I'm excited two, to dive in today. Yeah, two episodes remain for this mini series, this side quest, as I've been educated to call it. That's right. That's right. I found that out as well. Yeah, it is getting wild. Lots happening. Um, lots of D and D content that we've been watching lately. Yeah, we got um new Wizard Witch in the Wild one just dropped. Mm. I think an hour or two ago. Um, and then we got new Critical Role this week. So yeah, lots to lots of D and D TTRPG stuff. If you enjoy yeah. that, you know, definitely give our channel a perusing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, today well, a little D twenty. Yeah. Were yes. you about to say something? I was, I was, but then I was, it didn't make any sense. So then I aborted and then, then I got distracted because I was trying to open up Spotify to look at Wizard Witch and the Wild One and it's like crashing. So then I was like, abort that too. Because <laughs> I was curious the runtime on WWW. Yeah, but, I haven't, um, I haven't looked into it yet. I just happened to notice there was some, uh, I don't, I don't know if it was on Reddit or where I saw it, but apparently the episode was delayed coming out today. Um, but it's out now. So Yeah, okay. All right. Hour and forty minutes. Okay. Got it. Okay. That left okay. on a that left on a big cliffhanger, so I'm excited to see what's going on yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's it that's is. not what we're here yeah. to talk about now. If yeah. you're interested though, that video is up on the channel for the for most recent Wizard Witch in the Wild one. Um but yeah, today we're here to talk about the Ravening War. Um like you said, a juicy one. Uh is there anything else we need to say before we dive straight in i don't think so all right yeah well in that case let's do it and uh as always we're going to recap the episode and we cut that out host it separately so if you find yourself just on that recap video but want to hear our full discussion it will be linked down below um so yeah man do you want to kick us off on uh yeah this so this was this was episode four of the ravening war i think it was called light and shadow uh, there is a lot. It's a very meaty episode, so definitely will feel free to jump in. Details I may miss. And essentially, this episode, if you recall, the previous episode ended with this big moment of the assassination of Queen Pamela Rocks, and sort of this episode gives us kind of the fallout of that. Um, we know from Matt in the outro of the previous episode that there is a time jump. Uh, was it about four or five years? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. Five years, I want to say. So essentially this first half or first two-thirds of the episode is what's everybody been doing? And there's going to be two basic things that are going to happen. You're going to get kind of the last interaction or last thoughts and actions of a character. And then what have you been doing over the next five years? We're also going to see um, some characters pair up and some interesting pairings that we didn't expect. Um, the first relationship we see is we see um, the former queen, Amon Go, uh, talking to Karna and basically saying, I, I have to go. Like, this, this basically isn't what I signed up for. Like, I, I, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I have to go. I have to leave. I want to go into hiding and disappear um this nice coffee mug by the way <laughs> thanks <laughs> um 
you know, I just don't want this. And Karna is pissed, pissed, because Karna is the one who has been under the table orchestrating this marriage with King Tomate or the hopeful King Tomate um, for Tomate and Amango to get married. And Amango is like, I'm out. And Karna basically is like, this is going to ruin me. Like you are essentially, you're going to ruin my life by doing this. And Amango is like, I'm sorry. The two players, by the way, have a very heated conversation. Uh, it gave me chills. It's a pretty incredible conversation that happens. But yeah. despite this, um, Karna lays the cards on the table of Amango's son and is like, I know about him. And Amango's like, this is what I have to do. I'm sorry. And uh, Amango leaves and essentially leaves a letter for um, uh, the Archbishop Rafaniel um, before she goes. And she leaves and goes to Uvano, I believe, where uh, over the next five years, she's going to uh, train and um, she finds shelter there and raises her little one while also becoming uh, a bit battle hardened. Um, separate from her, Karna Solara is going to go to Rafaniel and the two are going to share a conversation about Amungo leaving. And there's this really wild moment where Rafaniel actually gives Karna a hug and feels on her body these soft, rotten spots where this sort of ailment of the power of the hungry one seems to be literally decomposing Karna. And in fact, Rafaniel says as much that, you know, it's often our gifts that um, betray us or something to that effect. Um, Karna over the next five years is going to meet up with um, Thane D'Alessandro. And uh, I'll get to more about kind of how she fills in um, there but eventually essentially becomes his spy master essentially becomes uh this character who keeps him in the know and helps prop up his power and position in the meatlands uh moving on to thane delisandro um there is a there is a, a job opening because the last conversation he has before time jumping is with uh colin provolone and colin provolone they're both sort of hunkered in this cave and Colin is not the um, happy-go-lucky character we've seen. He sort of challenges uh, D'Alessandro and says, like, is this where you saw this going? Like, is this kind of what you were hoping for when we had, you know, the FDA kind of promising making you a king, and here we are, like, in this cave? And um, Thane D'Alessandro basically challenges him back and says, like, this you know, I'm making the right decision. I've made the right decision for the Meatlands. Like, this is the right call. And either step up and be at my side or get out. And Colin basically says, I don't think you're the kind of leader that I want to follow. Um, and additionally reveals that um, the secret that he'd been hiding was that his grandfather had led this uprising in the Derry Islands uh, before the people that he had allied with basically betrayed him. Uh, and that left um, Colin's dad destitute and poor as this sort of like hidden son people didn't know about. Uh, and Colin has always been ashamed of um, that secret, but realizes that, you know, this blackmail isn't worth the kind of life you're wanting me to live. And so Colin lays down his weapon, uh, leaves, and we'll get to him in a second. 
but Karna essentially takes the position of Scald, and in fact is called as much. Um, it's kind of a painful... <laughs> I was like, how are you going to do this to my man Colin? Um, Thane D'Alessandro, going back to the Meatlands, actually ends up um, propping up one of the other... Rather than claiming the, the um, position of power for himself... Um, actually ends up propping up one of the other characters. Uh, I don't remember the name, though, uh, in front of you. Basha Miyasho. Or and, Basha is the first name. Yeah, this character, Basha, who um, is a bit surprised that Thane D'Alessandro is supporting him. And in fact, asks, like, what about your, your mother, the, the chiefess? And he basically says, you know, she, she will never be the kind of leader we need. So, like, I'm here to serve you. And basically goes all in on being the best number two possible for Basha. And um, the Chieftess is hurt by this. And in fact, Matt describes her leaving and never being heard from ever again. <laughs> very much a very painful uh, outro for that character. Um, and over the next five years with um, Karna at his side... Uh, Thane D'Alessandro basically fights for Basha and helps unite the Meatlands under Basha. Uh, uh, Lou describes his character five years later, um, battle-hardened, hot, um, shirtless, and missing an eye as well. Very cool. Uh, Karna, similarly, uh, as she gets older and ripens, uh, her phrasing, not being weird, um, her color changes to like this hot red color, um, and uh, Abria says she's entered her her hot phase as well. <laughs> there also is a diplomat um, from Candia, I believe, Princess Safria, Safira. I think it was Safria. Yeah, I think so. That, and I missed the detail here. They plan basically to assassinate her, and in fact, Karna is sent to do so. Um, in which she does with relative ease. I don't remember why they wanted to assassinate her. I think I even asked you, like, why do they want to kill this person? <laughs> and you weren't yeah. you weren't quite at that timestamp yet. We'll we'll like dissect this further in our discussion okay. portion, but I'm pretty sure it was kind of to set up um basically it's like a, another political assassination to turn Candia against Ceresia. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um so separate from them. What happens with Colin? So Colin leaves um, and actually pairs up with Rafaniel, who is desperate. Rafaniel's desperate for an ally. And this is because Rafaniel, after seeing Karna and Amango leave, um, essentially goes back to Archbishop Camille Cauliflower um, and is essentially like, hey, like this... Um, essentially challenges her and says, like, I deserve to be part of this. I deserve to know, like, the full truth. And we find out that Camille Cauliflower has sort of been faking this old, hobbled, elderly woman. Uh, Matt describes her sort of, like, rising out of her chair in sort of this, this menacing way and essentially tells Rafaniel that... Um, you'll never be the guy, basically. <laughs> like, get him. in line. Yeah, you're not that guy. <laughs> and Rafaniel to Cauliflower's face is like, okay, I will do whatever you need to support you. But then secretly, as an aside, begins calling in favors and trying to turn the Bulbian church against um, the FDA. Well, not specifically the FDA, but essentially is trying to sort of undo their work. Is essentially trying to 
uh, as covertly as possible go against the Sanctus Puris and our Putris. Uh, there right. is a deception roll made, and I think he rolled like a 22 and lost to a 25 from Matt. All this to say, his scheming is found out. He's moved to Kamada uh, to sort of like live out his days, and he is demoted to a deacon, uh, which absolutely crushes Rafaniel, crushes him, and now sort of he sort of loses his sense of purpose. Um, like, what was it all for? Like, I've lost my position. I've lost my power. I'm basically a nobody now in Kamada. And it's in this that in seeking purpose, he's like, I need to go back to that cave, that cave after we assassinated Queen Pamela Rocks. I need to go to that cave because that was the only time that I truly felt understood. Uh, and so in this, finds Colin Provolone, freshly having left Thane D'Alessandro, and through his own orchestrating and power he has left, uh, has Colin Provolone knighted in the Bulbian Church as Sir Colin Provolone, and the two pair up to go to this cave where it is now um, crumbled and shuttered from some sort of like natural cave-in, it seems, and Rafaniel is completely... Uh, lost to this. I mean, he is aggressively trying to pull rocks away. Um, Brennan does a, a phenomenal job of just characterizing sort of the descent into madness. Um, yes. Whereas, you know, Rafaniel was this sort of suave, um, always a step ahead, is now essentially this um, misshapen form of that. Yeah, totally broken. Um, um, and then I don't remember what happens five years later with him i don't know if you can help me there yeah him and um he basically says he, he and colin kind of stick together for the most part with colin being kind of like you know an arm of his sect of the church as this knight um so they, they like kind of remain together and brennan says he spends most of his time just like dedicated to writing like the theology and writing like religious papers kind of he yeah. uh he compared yeah, it to like the 99 thesis that like you go hammer on the church wall. Like he just wants to take yeah. down the Sanctus Putris. And well, like, and, yeah. and what's interesting about um, his character is he basically, knowing that the Sanctus Putris's goal is to stave off oblivion by creating war and conflict, he basically resolves himself to not just undo their goal, but to, as best he can, hasten on that oblivion. He, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he's basically like, if, we've, if they've been doing this to avoid annihilation, I am now hyper-focused on ensuring annihilation. Um, which is just a great, a great twist on his character. Um, all this to say, as the years go on, the conflict stretches all the way up into Syresia. We mentioned the assassination of Safria, um, which sets... Um, sets the attention onto um, Syresia. Notably, Tomate is killed uh, over these five years, and all players eventually find themselves in Syresia preparing for this massive battle, I think at Pengranos. Um, maybe yeah. like the capital, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think that's but, the capital. Um, all that to say, do you want to take it from there? Yes, sir, I got you. Uh, one it's not that important, but one quick detail I wanted to add is um, in Colin in Collins, like what he's been doing. He tells this one story of how he goes and finds the banana, yeah. the banana man that he killed during that fight. He goes and finds like his family and gives um, a little small banana child, like a big sack of gold to, 
Yeah. I know. found this on your property. I think. Repent. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is yours. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, now we, we flash forward. We're five years later. Um, the, the forces of Candia, the Meatlands, and um, Fructera have all basically arrived on Cerezo's doorstep uh, at Pengranos to put an end to this war. So, basically, this has brought all of our main cast back to the same spot again. So, catching up with them once again, um, we start with Amon Go, who, again, had uh, gone to Uvano to kind of reinvent herself and we find out that she basically threw herself at the, their feet asking for help. She says, you know, I'll do anything, put me to work. Um, you know, I'm leaving my old life behind. And uh, as Blake mentioned, she kind of becomes like a warrior now. Um, and uh, Lord Gustavo Uvano, who is like a, uh, a grape man, um, she ends up having this idea and confessing to him like, hey, uh, at a dark time in my life, I actually, you know, had a one night stand with, and I'm going to butcher this name, but Van Point Pinoir or something like that. Um, and she basically reveals that that is her baby daddy. And she has this child that, you know, is not of the king's blood. It does not look like her. It actually looks like the Yuvanos. So she's like, could you please raise him as one of your own? Like, I'll do anything, you know, um, I just want my child to be safe. And Gustavo, you know, of says, of course, um, we'll raise, uh, I guess we don't have a name for the child yet, but we'll raise the child as one of the family. Um, and again, she says, you know, you have my undying gratitude. I'll do whatever. And she begins training um, and becomes like a vital asset to the Ivano family um, as both diplomat and warrior. Um, and then because of this, she is on the front lines and has arrived um, coming to Karna, <clears throat> which Blake mentioned has basically been Delhi's right hand gal, um, helping, you know, orchestrate for him and help align this assassination of the princess Safria to get everything here. Uh, one interesting detail that we find out from her is that she has sacrificed her own eye in order to like protect Delhi. Nothing specific is cited as to why she did this, but more so just like a ritualistic sacrifice to help like, you know, just promote his well-being and ascension, if you will. Um, Delhi has, uh, again, like Blake mentioned, just been propping up uh, Basha and uh, has become a hardened warrior in his own right. Lost an eye, just like uh, Karna and they to have arrived and everyone is basically arriving to this war tent where all the leaders of these different factions are like coming to discuss strategy. Um, so that's kind of where everyone is walking up to. So then we cut to Colin and Rafaniel who again, they have stuck together and they are arriving and Rafaniel basically has had this realization that his goals, his aspirations may not happen in his own lifetime, but he's like made peace with that. And again, has just been writing, all of these papers and stuff trying to dismantle and destroy the Sanctus Putris and the FDA. Um, <clears throat> and there's, there's some great dialogue here between Colin and Rafaniel, but I don't want to get too lost in the weeds. We'll probably discuss that more uh, in a bit, but so they arrive as well. Uh, and the Bishop has kept in touch with Delhi over these years. And one interesting thing that he says to him is that, Hey, um, after this war, the people are going to need something hopeful to cling on to, to rebuild, um, you know, and 
I don't know if Basha is the one to do that. And he's kind of just putting this idea in Delhi's mind. Um, and Delhi agrees, you know, thinking that like, yeah, you know, I don't, you're right, but I wonder if like the people of the Meatlands are ready for religion and I don't want to like push Basha with, you know, too many crazy ideas too fast. And Karna's like, well, maybe Basha's not the man for it. Maybe you are. So there's this idea that maybe Delhi could like usurp or take over Basha once the war is over. Um, anyway, we then cut back to, um, sorry, I lost my spot here. Uh, Amon Go, who has, um, fallen out of touch with Rafaniel over the past five years. She just, you know, wanted to lay low, protect her child and become a warrior. But she now sees Colin and Rafaniel, um, after several years and they're very happy to see each other. Um, she apologizes to Rafaniel for leaving him behind. And he goes, you know, did you do it for your protection or mine? And she says both. Um, she then tells Rafaniel about the child, um, but he asks, was it the king's? And she won't tell him. Um, <clears throat> we then, uh, again, everyone is making their way into this tent, uh, but some of the, only like the most important people, like the Gustavo um, and the... Uh, Basha, the king of the Meatlands, are going in while the rest of the characters are kind of staying outside. So they're having various conversations, uh, but ultimately preparing for the fight to come the next day. Um, and so they they get the rest, but Rafaniel doesn't really get any sleep. He stays up all night and he just has these visions of these whirring blades and the teeth. <laughs> and um, Colin actually comes in the next day and is he's like, Rafaniel's still like freaking out. He's like, Hey man, are you okay? Like you need to lock it in. Like we're getting, yeah, we need you to, it's to be go time. Down, man. <laughs> it's great. It's a, an amazing moment. Um, but so then, you know, everyone's baking their way again to the war tent to discuss strategy and, you know, Blake and I haven't seen a crown of candy, but there are some massive cameos in this moment where we see, um, Prince Tarthur Cheddar, which I don't know if that is necessarily a cameo or not. Um, but, we have Prince Amathar of Candia and his sister, um, Rococo, I think. Um, and also uh, Manta Ray Jack, who is seemingly Prince Amathar's like best friend, right-hand man. Um, so they're all kind of, you know, again, having their meeting. But Rafaniel notices this uh, like shadow dart behind a hill. And it's this weird spindly creature with this bone mask. And it's exactly like what they saw um, when they found that cave after assassinating the queen um so he starts freaking out immediately darts after it because again he he is obsessed with this like blake mentioned it's the only place he felt welcome uh so he goes out after it and eventually finds this like hole dug in the ground and all the other characters are kind of chasing him after he darts off to this um Rafael just instantly dives into it and starts like climbing through it and it begins to get wider and wider and basically opens up into this full tunnel system. Um, and he eventually comes across three more of these creatures that are like digging. And he immediately has his detect thoughts, open mind, and is just saying like, you know, I'm here, I'm here. Like, don't be afraid. Uh, like I'm ready to, you know, be a part of this essentially. And the thoughts he gets back are not in language. Um, they are like emotions, anxiety, worry, um, like, oh no. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry. Like the cave told me I'm ready now. Like I'm finally ready. Um, and these creatures like release these spores just like they did. We 
he saw previously. And because of this, Raphael can now understand. Um, and they say, you shouldn't be here. We are forbidden to be seen. And Raphael's like, no, like, I'm ready. If you just give me this power, I can destroy our enemies. Um, and there's a lot of interesting stuff talked about here, which we'll talk about more in the discussion. But they talk about the the heart of the mycelium is the heart of Saphrophus or Saphrophus or something, the heart of ice. And meanwhile, the rest of the characters are catching up and they're like, okay, what are we doing? And the creatures are like, Saphrophus must be protected. They promised. And then suddenly another voice is heard coming around the corner and it is a member of the FDA uh, decked out in the robes and the mask. And they're like, oh God. And Raphael just immediately cast shatter. And that's where the episode ends. An amazing outro moment, by the way. You guys should definitely catch that if you can um, with the cast of Shatter. So great yes. job, man. Um, so that is the recap for episode four, Light and Shadow of the Ravening War. Again, if you're watching just the recap, we'll have the full episode discussion and thoughts down below. Uh, otherwise, we will get into it and chat about it. So yeah. let's piece this together. <laughs> Bro, so much in this episode. So much. Yeah. Um, first things first, love the episode. Should we skip this part? I feel like we just always... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should until we have something more uh, substantial yeah. to say. But um, yeah, of course, I loved it as well. Yeah, I mean, and just very meaty. Dude, the, the conversations at the table, um, Amongo and Karna, Abria had a tear even. Which I was like, man, they are really getting into this. Um, Bro, it was so good. And then Delhi and Colin. Yeah. Yeah, Zakayama was up. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And then um, Brennan's portrayal of madness um, also really freaking good. Such a cool, such a cool, like, character development. Like, because now he is, like, a zealot, mm -hmm. you know, where he kind of was pretending to be sort of before. So I thought that yeah. was like a really interesting like dynamic shift, but yeah, loved yeah. this episode so much, so many great character moments and a lot of, a lot of, of lore as well, which, you know, I'm sure it goes without saying at this point, but you know, we haven't seen a crown of candy. So please bear with us if we're like incorrectly moving the chess pieces across the board. Um, but we're, we're going to do our best to piece it all together here. Um, so real quick, we, we briefly spoke on this in the in the recap, but I did just want to like, again, put it out there to make sure I was following. <clears throat> the war's been going on for several years now. Lot, lots of things have shifted alliances and, you know, I'm sure. So I'm not trying to retrace the whole thing, but just here at the very end, um, Sarija being led by the Imperator Fakasha, who's kind of like a warmonger and like mm -hmm. kind of has become a dictator, it seems like. Um it was it seemingly was Sarija and Vegetania were like the two main and maybe candy. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know who, like what the alliances were, but the, the big moment was Delhi and Karna assassinating princess Safria. Yeah. Which they framed to look like the Sarisians did. I think, I, I think so. Yeah. That tracks for me. And so that, but, go ahead. But 
didn't we discuss vegetania like out they step out of the war or something or yeah because so that's why i thought vegetania must have been allied with Ceresia because there's there's mention of a like peace treaty between vegetania and fructera between lord cabbage and i think lord uvano um and because of that like brokered peace they decide to just withdraw from the conflict altogether and so I think because of that, that kind of leaves Sarija on an island. Like they now have no yeah. allies and everyone else is allied against them, which brings us to this final battle, as it were. Yeah. So that's my understanding. That might be wrong. Like I might I might be misplacing some of that. So like, as always, let us know in the comments. But And then I'm, I don't know if I'm missing something where I'm just not tracking details, but for me, it it portrays kind of like the wild, um, I don't know how to phrase it. Um, like the original point of conflict was the crown. Like who's going to be, who's going to be the next King. Right. Um, at this point, defeating Ceresia, I mean, I, I'm assuming everyone's just going to go back to where they were. Right. I mean, we're not talking about becoming King over like, all of the kingdoms, you know, it's not like game of Thrones. Like it's like, not like the one right. throne, you know? And so I kind of wonder like, um, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if I missed a detail and it's like, Oh no, this is what they're actually fighting for. Or if Matt's trying to just portray like the senselessness of war, cause he's mentioned like countless dying and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Am I, is that making sense or no, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's the latter. It's yeah, okay. just the kind of like senselessness and unnecessary bloodshed that this has been going on now for several years, all because of various political aspirations that the original ones aren't even relevant anymore, you know? So it is just kind of like this needless, senseless cycle um, that's just, you know, keep keeps getting propped up by bloodshed. That's, that's my take. Maybe... Maybe that is incorrect, but that's what I've been taking from it. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I am curious, <clears throat> just in like a general sense, um, what the aftermath of this is. Uh, and I, I'm sure Crown of Candy people know what like the state of the world is during Crown of Candy. But like, do they topple Ceresia and Ceresia becomes part of like one of these other kingdoms or something? Like, I'm curious what the... Mm what yeah. the aftermath of that is. Um, maybe, they, I mean, for all I know, maybe Sarija rebukes them. Um, yeah. Well, so everyone's gathered here. They've gone down into this cave. Um, so the FDA member was in the tunnel. I, I, that part I also didn't track. I thought maybe they heard the FDA like coming down from outside who was like peeking in and seeing the hole and then sees them. But, your take was that the FDA member was like actually in the tunnels, like turning around a corner being yeah, like, like coming from like another direction. Yeah. And they actually said something like, like, have you finished it yet? Or, or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, before seeing the party and being like, Oh, <laughs> so what do you think is going on there? All right. Um, so this is something we talked about, I think in the last episode, about how what the FDA wants is to create 
rot and bloodshed to stave off the hungry one because the hungry one doesn't want to eat rotten food, right? And then we found out also about this new kingdom of like these fungal creatures. And it's like, hey, that's kind of like the hungry one is not going to eat them either, you know? And like, so is this like, was this what the FDA wanted or is this a new discovery? And I think we both agreed that it, it seemed like a new discovery. But here they are now seemingly capitalizing on this and using that those creatures, this new kingdom, to their benefit. Because we know that um, Dishless brought the corpse back and told them about it. So they know about this fungal kingdom, for lack of a better word. Um, and seemingly have brokered some sort of alliance with them. Um, to what end, though, is is that's what I'm curious about. They're clearly digging tunnels, and to me, I feel like this is setting up for like a sneak attack of some sort or mm. something to that effect. Um, in which, in return, which they've seemingly promised protection of Saprophis, which I know I'm butchering mm. that. I should have like listened to the episode again because I'm just reading how I spelled it. But uh, some entity that these rock creatures clearly or fungal creatures clearly like revere perhaps like the heart of the world, the entity, the hive mind that both Brennan and Lou spoke to. Um, I just, I'm curious, like, is it, are they just another tool for the FDA or is there some grander like connection here with where they've realized that this fungus is kind of akin to rot in that it, rebukes the hungry one and so they're like yes bring this into the fold or if it's merely like hey these creatures we can manipulate and dig stealthy tunnels for sneak attacks and it's nothing beyond that yeah and i'm also curious about so we know the episode ended with brennan casting shatter immediately yeah. um i don't know if i see the party like yeah, let's all fight the FDA because we know that, and I forgot to mention in the recap, um, we know that Karna went to old auntie. I can't think of her name. Um, uh, Ariana. Yeah. And basically is like, um, we will do whatever you need. Like sort of offers, you know, her allegiance. And um, we know Thane D'Alessandro also likes the idea of the FDA so here we are in what seems to be maybe combat. Is it possible we see Karna? I don't know if we would maybe outright see Karna and Delhi turn on the party, but I do wonder if maybe the outcome of this battle creates like a fracture of like, what do we do next? Um, Cause Rafaniel obviously hates the FDA. Um, I don't know. I'm just very curious like what this is going to do to the party dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely going to splinter them. I don't know if it'll, I don't know if it'll like come to blows immediately in this scene. But yeah, I think 100% because you're right. Karna and Delhi are both like super pro FDA. I mean, we haven't like seen Delhi say as much, but you know, he's all about like they're the kingmakers and he wants to, you know, mm -hmm. be utilized in that way so i would assume he's still very much pro fda and karna even said that like and I, I guess she was saying this to ariana at least i think so it maybe isn't like representative of her her true intentions um but she was like i'm all in on the fda like 
you know, especially because she had to like rebuild her life. She was like, all right, yeah, which I want to talk about that specifically a little more, which we don't have to go there yet. But just remind me if if we if later we don't uh, if I don't bring it back up. But um, yeah, I I mean, this has to be coming to some form of PvP. Like, I don't know if that'll be like the grand climax of the show, but I would be very, very surprised if there was no pvp amongst this group so yeah, yeah. I, I think you're spot on i just i'm curious if it'll happen right now or not i feel like they probably won't happen right in this moment i feel like it's kind of like too much happening like maybe this shatter kills that guy and then it's kind of like what did you just do like what are we doing yeah. now um type of thing um uh, yeah and we said it as much in like the first episode that this had all the earmarkings of some kind of interparty battle not unlike what we saw in Calamity, but the party from the get-go, from episode one, have had often competing intentions. So yeah. it seems only appropriate that here we are now with the FDA as sort of like a central um, potential big bad, um, that yeah, there would be some, there'd be some inter-party conflict over that. Um, I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen right away, but I do think... While I don't think it'll be the final battle, I think it would. I, I think it's going to happen either in this next episode. I say not right away, not like in this moment, mm -hmm. but potentially later in the episode or possibly in the f the finale episode as well. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be the final combat, unless you know we find ourselves protecting this heart with a bunch of FDA people and Thane and Karna. Or like, hey, sorry guys, we're on their side. You know, I mean, yeah. which would be a bit wild. Um, I'm just thinking Colin Provolone fighting Thane Delhi would be. I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> Me neither, man. I, let's. Yeah. Or go ahead. No, I go ahead. Let's, well, let's actually. Go back. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Actually, I was. What was I'm interested on your take in the whole FDA fungus people connection yeah i i honestly i mean it was like midnight when the episode was wrapping up and so i didn't process it like to the level that you did i i took it as they had discovered the tunnels around the same time the party had like a little bit before and were like they knew enough about it knew enough like about the mushroom kingdom for lack of a better phrasing to like like, I thought the person who's like, hey, are you done yet? Or whatever the phrasing was, was like to someone else, like someone else who was like helping with something and not necessarily like the the creatures. Um, I do like your theory better that there's some kind of like power brokerage happening or there's um, something to that regard. I'm not sure. But um, I mean, we're presumably going to find out very early in tomorrow's episode. So, but yeah. I honestly have no idea. Well, there at least is some deal brokered because the creatures said they promised. They said, like, yeah, Saprophis must be protected. Yeah. They promised, which to me means, like, we agreed to mm. do this for them because they are going to protect. Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I we haven't or I'll say we you're on the same page as me. We haven't wanted to, like, look things up to, like, risk spoiling a crown of candy stuff. But I'm so curious if that entity like Saprophis or the heart of ice, like if that's a known quantity for crown of candy people. Are you looking it up right now? Yep. <laughs> um, 
can't find anything on it. So how do you spell it? I don't know. I have a spelling. I don't know where I got this from, so it might be wrong, but S-A-P-R-O-P-H-U-S. I think I probably just made that up, though, from what it sounded like. Saprophagus. Is it, do you mean saprophagus? Um, which means the feeding on or obtaining nourishment from decaying organic matter. Oh, well, that's clearly the where the name comes from or was inspired yeah. by. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, but you're right. Um, saprophagus. Um, yeah. Interesting. So don't know the, the details, but yeah, uh, again, for my money, Dishless bringing that creature to them, got them to investigate this further. Perhaps they even were the ones to cave in the cave that Rafaniel went to. I know there was some role made on that, but I can't remember what the Colin, outcome of it was. I don't think Colin had to roll. I think he asked like, hey, was there anything I noticed? And Matt just deliberately said like, you know, it, it looked natural. Um, but I think also, I don't think, I don't fully trust that answer because it also could have been Matt as DM being like, well, you're trying to go back now and make a roll on something that already happened five years ago. Um, yeah. Cause that's kind of how the timing was. It wasn't in the moment that the role was happening. Right. It was five years later. So, you know, not to say that the FDA weren't involved in the caving in of it. But I just wasn't fully buying like this was just a natural, yeah, just caved in. <laughs> so. So, yeah, I guess kind of regardless of what this alliance brokered was and what the FDA ultimately wants out of it, these tunnels are super sus. And I feel like it's definitely for some <laughs> sort of like it reminds me of that um, Game of Thrones moment where they like gather everyone in the the church and then like blow up the whole like section of the city you know what i'm talking about oh yeah it reminds me of like something like that like i feel like they're setting the fda is setting up some sort of like chaos like we kill everybody so there's no yeah, peace or, or something like that you know like especially if they think that this gathering of, of the armies against Soresia could potentially end the war you know like unless unless there's like okay we've reached enough destruction for the next five years we can go back to peace times then surely at some point you say enough is enough <laughs> yeah right <laughs> right i mean like at some point you're like all right we've done enough let's wait till the next war so but it is and i mean if they are like an illuminati i'm sure they have so many like puppets out there doing i mean they they obviously do beyond just our main characters but if their machinations are something like that, it's interesting that like Delhi slash Karna weren't like looped in or given any sort of ask to like help keep this going. If since they are seemingly pretty instrumental figures in potentially ending this war by being mm -hmm. like, you know, main components of one of the armies that is attacking Sarisia. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess this the, there could be endless speculation here, but I'm curious if, like, since we were just talking about, like, will the party be split on, like, Team FDA, anti-FDA, yeah. maybe the FDA is kind of, like, done with Delhi and Karna, and, like, their move that they're playing would... 
Deli and Karna might be caught in the yeah. crossfire. So maybe they too would turn against them. But I don't see I, us having a, a happy ending where everybody's like no, on the same yeah. team. I my take is maybe they intentionally haven't looped them in because they it's a loose end that needs to be tied up. Um, yeah. you know, let's just wrap them into it and have them killed too. The other thing that the impression I got as to like, well, why haven't they been more central figures is to me, it kind of characterizes the manipulation of the FDA, which originally said, you all are, you're chosen, you're special, you know, you have great potential if in the right hands, basically like come do, come work for us and we'll make sure that you're, you know, we put you on the right path. Uh, and then you don't hear from them for years, years until, you know, the assassination job comes up. And then now, years later, have not been heard from again. Right. So to me, I take it as, it, like I said, it speaks to the manipulation of the FDA in that they have people that they they churn, you know, hey, who can we who can we call? You know, it's like the person that ha you haven't heard from in like five years, and then they call you and like, man, you were always... You were always like my favorite. You're always my favorite person. And you're just like, who are you? Who is this? <laughs> you know, it's your buddy. Hey. Try to sign you up for a MLM scheme. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you always had such good business sense. You know. <laughs> so um yeah, I I think the it un it illustrates how much vanity the FDA like preys on and how ultimately they're just in the business of, of putting the right people on the board. Um, and then when they're done with them, they move on, they find somebody else. Um, unless there's someone who proves to be consistently helpful, like, um, cliche. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm so curious. I feel like this is a pretty good segue. Um, I'm just so curious what, what's going on with the FDA really. I mean, we know that they're, Believers in the Sanctus Putris that, you know, must be wrought in bloodshed to keep the hungry one away. But that whole reveal with the with the the Pope character, the Archbishop, uh, it felt very sinister, like like that there was even another level to this, maybe to me, like, you know, talking about like the shadow and the darkness, like in her growing like to three feet taller than she was and like. Don't you feel like there's something more there than just like this is the crazy religious doctrine that they believe in and they're orchestrating like like maybe there's another angle to this like are they is she secretly like a devout follower of the hungry one and this is just the way to like enact their will or something I I do think there could be a twist there where even even unbeknownst to the FDA in trying to stave off the hungry one, there's they're actually doing exactly what the hungry one would want, which would be right. chaos and you know what have you. Um, I don't know if there's something like deliberately evil in that way. Um, I, I took I took that scene to mean basically, um, we're not like the benevolent benevolence, not the right word, but like yeah, you know, sometimes we get our hands dirty, but it's for the it's for the good of everybody to instead be stay out of our way. You are literally nothing to us. Um, and sort of like asserting the power dynamic of, you know, I know you disagree, but I will, I will end you if you try to stop what we, 
I don't know, just it just kind of showed like the more sinister side, but not necessarily like there's like a higher plan that's deliberately evil. There could be. I just don't I just don't know if there is. Yeah, I yeah, I don't really know how to parse it either, but it felt like I don't know if this is the right word, but it almost felt like supernatural. Like it wasn't just like, let me shake off this mask of a facade that I wear in the same way Raphael kind of, you know, plays the bumbling old uh, bishop. But then like, really, he's this plotting um, underhanded character. I don't to me, that moment felt not the same. Like it felt like it wasn't just she's revealing her true character it felt like a like a, a reveal of like mm. there's something more going like this like there's i don't know if she was like possessed by something or like the something to that effect but it felt more than just like let me remove my character mask it was like let me show you my true form type of thing i don't know yeah i don't know maybe I'm not sure yeah uh but <laughs> super creepy matt did a very good job of like transforming in that scene and we already talked about it but brennan it was so amazing this whole episode with his like descent into kind of bad for him madness yeah, i mean it's hard not to curious do you think when he first approached the archbishop in that scene where he was basically begging like pleading like you know like just like please like let me in like like why didn't you trust me with this like i want to help like uh do you think he was being earnest in that moment no i think he saw it as another opportunity to um add another i don't know the expression like a card to his deck and another yeah. playing card um you know he's obviously someone who's very good at developing relationships and you know having uh what's the guy from game of thrones um not birds um I can't the expression that the um not the spider but the other guy varish varish was that his Varys? name Varys was the spider. Oh, not him then. Uh, Littlefinger? No, it was a spider then. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But what was the thing about like his birds? Like he has his birds that... Yeah, he's got like his little birds that like feed him Like in a, not in, an un, in, a, in a dissimilar way. Um, it seems like Raphael was always looking to add, um, you know, get a little bit of a feather in the cap. Like how can I get a little yeah. bit of positionality in this way? So I, I don't think it was earnest. I think he was... You know, hey, let me in so that he would, you know, have another thing that he could play with. And he was shut down so deliberately. And I think that was a huge blow to his ego. Like, do you know who I am and all that I've kind of brokered on behalf of the Bulbian church? Um, you know, I'm going to now go out of my way to destroy you, not realizing that they were still, um, they still had all the cards. So, yeah, I, what do you think? I was torn. I didn't know. I couldn't I couldn't decide either way because obviously that's the character we've seen the whole time. And that makes perfect sense that he was just like looking to buddy up to the next person that would get him where he needed to go. Um, so I could 100 percent see that. Um, but I could also see him just being so completely broken by what happened and then kind of. Being rejected, not really being rejected, but like the he kind of like had this brief glimmer of hope with this hive mind where he was like, am I safe here from the blades? Mm -hmm. And they didn't know what he was talking about. And that kind of like destroyed him once again, like not even this knows the answer. So I, 
I could see a world where he like really was just like so looking for that next thing that he could like latch onto. There maybe there was a level of earnesty to him being like begging her in that moment. But honestly, I I I'm not like leaning toward either one because I think it could very easily be just you know his manipulative ways trying to ingratiate back with the the head honcho. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it is interesting. Um, not to move on from him. You mentioned you wanted to go back to Karna. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is something I, I couldn't really parse is we know that for her backstory, when she, when Amon go kind of left and kind of left her high and dry, she goes to Ceresia and eventually hooks up with, with Ariana and cites that, you know, she really believes in the FDA. Like she, she's all about their mission. She can get behind that. Um, that seems at odds with her being like a devout follower of the hungry one. So I didn't know how to parse those things, which maybe, maybe it's not fair to call her a devout follower of the hungry one, but we know she's at least like afflicted by this rot and like makes sacrifices to him. Um, and again, who knows if there is some like ulterior motive with the FDA. Let's, let's just push that aside and just assume the FDA's motive is to stave off the hungry one by creating rot and bloodshed. Why would Karna be like on board for that when she serves the hungry one? Yeah. I don't know if she deliberately serves the hungry one so much as I think Rafaniel even said as much like when he was feeling like the rotten sores on her body, um, of basically like, it's basically seeing like the power we've been gifted is like often like what imprisons us. And so I almost wonder if this power she's been given, the hunger one is her patron, like the source of her power. And those rituals are not unlike the FDA to sort of like stave off her own death. Um, like she has to, she like has to do it. Not that she like wanted to be in this position. Yeah, I almost see it as kind of like a begrudging um, follower, not like a devout follower. Because um, we also know in previous episodes when she talks about Tomate, how um, the phrasing she uses like is, if I can get in with Tomate and like broker this marriage, then I'll be set for life. Like I'll be set for life, which would be interesting language around someone. It's a little bit at odds with the oblivion-esque nature it seems like the hungry one is all about so that to me is why i think it is like this more begrudging thing and less um and she's having to reinvent herself as she's put it so who better to do that with than with the ultimate source of power the fda yeah so but i do wonder like what's gonna happen to her um doesn't seem like she's doing too good physically. <laughs> no, yeah, it definitely not. And uh, she made some comment. I think it was in one of the after show uh, episodes, but about like trying to accomplish things before she dies. So like it's it seemed like she might be on some sort of a ticking clock. But I mean, she's still aging. She's that was the impression I got. Also, though, I think something was <clears throat> said in this episode that implied as much that it's not like i'm gonna live the next 50 years in peace it was like it felt like there was some kind of urgency there but i don't remember what 
what was said that I would be referring to, unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't know what to, excuse me. I don't know what to make of, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. What she's gonna, what, not just her, I guess, but like what any of these characters are ultimately going to, well, it's pretty clear what Rafaniel will do. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious how this, what is this fine? What is the final conflict of the show going to be? I guess it determined, it depends on if they go back on top and they have this battle with Sereja or if while that battle's happening, they're, you know, unbeknownst to the world, they're fighting their own battle to really save the world, you know, down in the tunnels underneath. Yeah, I definitely, there's, there's some shoe to drop with these tunnels. So we may not even get the, the Sereja battle on screen as it were, you know? Well, you have to also wonder why here, why Sereja, and and I don't know the answer. The closest thing I can think of is like yeast, <laughs> like bacterial growth. Like, is this like a Sereian thing? Like, is the kingdom, the seventh kingdom, more Sereian than it is anything else? I mean, I don't know. But that's interesting. Yeah, and like, are we gonna get? More info on this. Saf- I already forgot how I. Safria, Safria. Uh, no, that's the princess, right? Oh yeah, right. Um, I got assassinated. Saprophis. Um, oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. we will for sure. See, I just feel like there's there's like so many like directions this could go, and I'm just I'm so curious. Like, the more we've been talking about it, the more I like your theory that maybe. Um, the FDA is manipulating this kingdom to do whatever it is they want to do, which to me is very on brand with them. Like they're very good at using people. Yeah. And um, I could see them kind of meeting up and the masked ones are like, you know, you'll protect Sophrophus, right? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Sophrophus sent you? Yes. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and we're here to help. <laughs> So, and so Provis wants you guys to help us, you know, why didn't they tell us, why didn't it tell us directly? Uh, sleeping. I don't know. I could just see something like that happening. Yeah. And I wonder if we might even, I don't know, like, I guess it's just, it's just wild speculation. So I don't know if I'll waste our time, but I'm just curious if we'll like see Saprophis and like, is I mean, it, it does seem to be like a hive mind, heart of the world type of thing. So maybe it's not like an actual like entity that can like move around as it mm-hmm. were. But like, are you invoking the ire of this very powerful thing by manipulating its its people? Like, right. Could the, right. could the end all play be that, you know, you gave that definition earlier of whatever that word was uh, yeah. that like feeds on organic or inorganic material or something could their plan be to like introduce this thing to like the world at large and have it like devour a bunch of comedans to like turn them to rot to stave off the hungry one like i don't know yeah yeah i don't know um what else in this episode sorry say again i said what else in this episode um I i don't think there's too much to like dissect and like speculate on but you know as is tradition 
I just got to give another shout out to Zach Oyama. This Bro, I knew you were going there. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. We're just being so Dude, good, man. Um, so good. He again has, you know, the, the one liners that are just so great, like with Rafaniel. Um, but another side of him that I thought was so good was that conversation with Delhi. You know, he kind of like, not that he's like not ever serious, but like he, you know, it wasn't, he just let it loose, told his secret and uh, laid it all out there. And I just thought that was like a really powerful moment. And Lou reacting to that and being true to his character, which we haven't talked about that this episode, but I love the direction of his character, especially for like this type of story. Just the person that like goes all in on like the ambition, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And like doesn't point of abandoning his own mom. That was so sad. Yeah. doesn't look back at all. You know, like he, I, I can't remember if, if, when this was said, but he was just talking about like how he felt like alone, like after, after Colin left and everything, like he was just alone. But then that was like freeing. Cause like now, like no one was in his way. Like he could accomplish what he wanted to, yeah. which makes sense for the, like the type of character he has, like, of course he'll have that mindset. Whereas it'd be easy to think like, Oh, like, did I make a mistake? Like I shouldn't have done this. Like, you know, but no, it was like full steam ahead. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was really interesting. And then uh, I don't want to like, I mean, I guess it's not spoilers, um, but the whole Prince Amathar was Lou's character in Crown of Kings. Uh, so that was like a really fun moment uh, for everyone that they talked about in the, the uh, after okay. show. Um <clears throat> But yeah, I just thought that was cool. Um, yeah. Which I guess, so Queen Pamela Rocks was his mother and then Princess Sofria was his sister. Um, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So everyone in that family getting murdered. Uh, so yeah, yeah. so Lou <laughs> murdered his own character's mom and then orchestrated his own character's sister's death too. Nice job, Lou. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be fun, though, as a just as a player, having played in both. Like, I'm sure some of these breadcrumbs are like so much more of like a nostalgia satisfaction hit than like me, the bumbling, you know, like, oh, cool, a new character. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like Brennan talked about it last episode about how um, the how do you want to do this on Queen Pamela Rocks? Where he was like, you know, I've created, I created this and now I have to d- decide, you know, how does it happen? But yeah. anyway, so it's fun. D&D's fun, man. D&D is fun. I <laughs> would hope so since we do th- two to three videos a week <laughs> on it. <laughs> so we have no room for hobbies other than D&D. So. And Diablo 4 recently. Yeah. Which we got to do a review on D4, by the way. Our thoughts on D4. Yeah. So we've been playing in a lot. <laughs> we have been. Yeah. Will, you still look a little tired. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I very yeah. much am. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I guess let us know in the comments uh, y'all's thoughts on the episode, theories, ideas for what's coming. We'd love to know more. And don't forget, also, we have a Discord where we do, we talk about a lot of this stuff. Everybody's welcome in the Discord. Uh, it's a pretty awesome community. We talk through a lot of these episodes and some of the other D&D content as well. So you can check the link down below to join that Discord. Um, other than that, 
Yeah, and I I can't promise this will happen since the way Dropout works is slightly different from like other like Critical Role, for example, which is live streamed. Um, but I really would love to have like a live watch along for one of these last two episodes, which if that does happen, it'll take place in the Discord. So that interests Yeah, maybe tomorrow's episode because um, I'll still be, my wife will still be out of town. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, so, so maybe for episode five. Yeah. yeah. So join keep the, it Discord. the Discord. Yeah. That interests We'll yeah. go from there. So, okay. Uh, thumbnail. Hmm. Um, I was I was already workshopping an idea, so I was thinking of something like five years later. I don't know what that looks like for us, but hmm. yeah, um... <laughs> maybe like a, just like an inquisitive or like like oh or something. I yeah. don't know. I can do like looking at the watch, like you know. Yeah, it actually, okay. like, it looks like I'm just doing like a power fist. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'll do like a. I'll do like a. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We got it. Nailed, Nailed it. it again. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for watching today, and we'll see you soon. Bye, y'all.